Good morning. How are you? Good to see you. Thanks for joining. We've had good worship. Nancy, note perfect. No issue with me forgetting the music. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you, praise you, worship you. Thank you that we are here. Thank you that we are live online. Thank you that for those people that are listening later, just speak a blessing out over everyone that, that hears this message. Thank you, yes, indeed, that we are about to gather around your word, focus on your scripture. See what you're saying to us from your God-breathed scripture this morning. We thank you for it. We thank you for the freedom we have to delve into your word. Thank you for all the resources we have <coughs> Excuse me to, to get into your word. It is truly the agent of change in our lives. We thank you that through your word we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we speak out some of that this morning. But for that, we need understanding. So, Father, I speak out understanding in the mighty name of Jesus. Understanding so that these seeds are not stolen. Understanding so that the seeds germinate, grow, and produce fruit that we all desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> 51st sermon of the year. Well, it's week 51. I think I've missed a few sermons, but um, final sermon for 23. 2023 already. <laughs> oh, 2023. Time flies. I had a wee dram last night that was distilled in 1979. And I was thinking that was the year I went to secondary school. <laughs> that was a, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's the door. That's the year you started art school. Okay, so who, what did everybody what did everybody do in 1979? I started you started primary five, primary six, maybe. Qualified. Oh, there you go. Let's see. That was 1979, yeah. Moving. All right, moving. All right, all year. That was a long move. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sorry? You went skiing to Sousy Do. Where's Sousy Do? It's in Italy. Neither have I. Sousy Do. That sounds like a, a greeting in Doric. Hey, Sousy Do. Fine, thanks. Yeah, how are you? Anyway, I, I don't know why I'm doing that. I don't need to fill in time. I've got a long sermon today. Um, final sermon for 23. Uh, but it's a different one today, different from the last three. I'm not going to use the debusting, because that's the wrong word, isn't it? So we decided last week I have been busting or debunking myths around about the birth of Jesus. So we've seen that he wasn't born in a stable. He's born in where? Nancy? Megaladere. Hallelujah. It's going to be like a pantomime today. That was, that was in stereo, wasn't it? Um, he was visited by the three wise men at his birth, just the shepherds. He's behind you. Yeah, the three wise men. They were way behind the shepherds. And there's not just any old shepherds, but Levitical ones, Levitical shepherds, the ones that looked after the temple flock, looking after the sacrificial lambs, examining the baby Jesus 
when he was wrapped up in swaddling clothes, a sign just for them. See, the wise men wouldn't have got that. I'm kind of thinking about that during the week. The wise, the wise men wouldn't have understood that sign. That sign was just for the shepherds. And he did not come to bring peace on earth among men, or he would have failed. He came to bring peace, goodwill from God to men, to mankind. So we've kind of debunked or busted those myths. And I want to finish a talk with a topic today, looking at something that is very relevant to our lives today. Now, the, the last three sermons have, of course, been relevant because it was all about Jesus being made flesh and dwelling among us. So super relevant. But this is something that you need to have in your lives daily. We need to have in our lives daily. And how, how showing you how we can work with or work against God and his purposes for our lives. You all think God has a plan and a purpose for your life? Yeah? Well, we can work with him on that, or we can work against him on that. It's like so many things in the Bible, it's black and white. There's no gray areas here. You're either working with God or you're working against him. You're either righteous or you're not. You're either saved or you're not. It's like death and life in the power of the tongue. Not death and life and neutrality. So this is, this is important. How we can work with or against God for the plans and purposes in our lives. And I'll show you that how we think and what we say can limit his purposes or make them manifest in our lives. He's got this plan and purpose for us, and we can either ruin it and limit it by what we say, or we, we, we can work with him and aid that manifestation of it in our life by what we say. So we're going to do that. Uh, just a little bit of revision before we start, so just to set the scene. I want you to go to Psalm 78 and verse 40 and 41. And this is talking about the, the Jewish nation, the Hebrews in the wilderness. <clears throat> and it says, how often did they provoke him in the wilderness? That's the Jewish nation to God the Father. And grieve him in the desert. Yea, they turned back and tempted him. <clears throat> and listen to this. What did they do to the almighty creator? All powerful, omniscient, all, all everything. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Very important scripture. A scripture that I think some theologies <coughs> would just disregard and not think is there. You know, there is a theology that says God controls everything. And, and everything that happens is preordained, predestined. And, and, and everything... You know, God actually sat in his heavens before time began and planned that Evelyn was going to wear that jumper this morning. <laughs> now, I don't think that was probably on God's mind at that point. But he probably knew it was going to happen. But he, you know, Evelyn had the free will to put that jumper on this morning. But she didn't have the free will because it was a... It was a three-line whip from the pastor last week, wasn't it? But, um, 
and you asked you had a you had a choice of jumpers everyone. brilliant yes you had a choice of routes to go amen but there's a theology that says god controls everything it's all everything is his will predestination calvinism whatever you want to call it yes you're right pauline but this verse blows that theology out of the water this verse says that his people his people limited what he could do that's just amazing talking about here talking about what the hebrew nation limiting god limiting what he could do through their unbelief through what they believed through what they said through what they did and that was true at that time it was true at the time of jesus birth and it's true today god needs people to work through and god needs willing people of faith who believe that what he says he will do and act accordingly amen and that's the kind of message this morning what's he said to us and what are we doing with it but that challenge will come at the end yes i should have put a health warning on this this is going to be challenging this morning i might say a couple of harsh things pauline don't take it personally. <laughs> Never. Oh, I'm not so sure about that. Maybe that was just um maybe that was just old covenants. Maybe God's changed. Frantically trying to find two Peter. <laughs> two Peter three verse nine says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish. But all should come to repentance. That is God's will. That everyone comes to repentance and everyone is saved. Is that the case? No. Therefore, God's will does not always, does not automatically come to pass. He needs people. This is God's sin. He wants everybody to come to repentance. He wants no one to perish. That's his heart. That's his character. That's his will. But we know people are dying lost every day. We know that. Why? Because of free will. Because of having a choice on which Christmas jumper you get to wear. Hallelujah for free will. God has made provision for all to be saved. That's his will. But mankind, we as individuals, need to make a choice for that. For or against Jesus. You say, well, well, some people don't make a decision. No, that, that's, that's not a good enough argument. There is more than enough evidence around us in creation and in the words and in testimony that God exists and Jesus has had a finished work. If you don't make a positive choice for that, you're making a negative choice. There's more than enough evidence. If you're not choosing, you're automatically against but it's all about choice. It's all about free will. Look at Matthew 9. Matthew 9, verse 28 and 29. And when he was coming to the house, that was Jesus. The blind men came unto him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, I'm going to heal you. All my power is going to force my healing on you. No, it's not what he says. 
He says, according to your faith. Now listen to this bit. This is the first time I've noticed this. This is my new bit for this sermon this year. He says, be it unto you. Oh, I think I've heard something like that before. I wonder if Vic's going to be preaching on Mary. Be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. That's Jesus speaking there. Jesus says, do you believe I can do this? Yes, they say. He says, well, according to your faith, there it is. According to your faith, be it unto you. You know I can do it. You've just said that. You believe that I can do it. Now, your faith, you receive it. Awesome. Jesus was all-powerful, remember? He was God in the flesh. Surely he could have just done whatever he wanted. Well, not if it rode over people's free will. Even God Almighty in the flesh, I'm going to say this, not only doesn't, but cannot. Can I override your, your choice, your free will? Or, or it seems that way. Now, I, I know God wants me in Nancy to work in India. You all know that. We know that. But we had to have the faith. How many years ago was it we first went? can't remember. We had the faith to go, to book the tickets, to make the arrangements, to pay the money, to turn up. You know, you would have thought if God wanted us to do this, he would have just piled all that onto our laps without any effort. Because I'm sure he wants us to work in India, but that's not the way it works. He puts the desire in your heart. He provides the anointing. He provides the resources. And you get off your backsides in faith. Sorry. And we get off our backsides in faith and do our bit. Amen. You know, it's not just handed on your lap. God will not just dump into your lap that perfect job, that perfect house, that perfect wife. He won't. You've got to work with what God has given you and go and get that for yourself. And if you operate in doubt and unbelief and you whinge and you whine about what you don't have that you can't use rather than what you've got in your hands, your plan and purpose for your life, his plan and purpose for your life will not come to pass. Because we stop it. Now that might sound really harsh, and it is. But I'm not even sorry. I'm not even going to say, I'm sorry to say this. I'm not sorry. This is harsh, but if he has a plan and a purpose for your life and you don't get involved to do your bit, it will not come to pass and you will not manifest God's will in your life. And what a loss that would be, not just to you, but to the rest of us and to your family and community. That's the truth. I'm not, I'm not even sorry in saying that. It's the truth. It will not come to pass if we don't do our bit. But on to what I really want to preach on today. That was just a little bit of ground. What is it when you prepare, prepare the ground? That's it. Stuart will know about that. Before you do the building, you've got to prepare the ground. Isn't that right, Stuart? It's true of barley. You have to... Oh, yes, you have to prepare the ground. That's it. Loads of things you have to prepare the ground for. So in that verse in the Psalms, we saw people limiting God. 
thinking things, saying things, doing things that stopped his will coming to pass. See, God needs people to work with. And we see people in the Old Testament doing that. Joseph, David, Solomon, Peter. Loads of examples. But, but these, these people that did these things, they were given authority. They were given the dominion to do that. You see, God gives dominion to men. God gives men certain things to do. Certain things have been put under the authority of man. And once he gives us that, we need to use it. Or things don't happen. He doesn't sovereignly come in and buy tickets for me to go to India. That'd be great. I was about throwing my computer out the screen, out the window the other night, trying to book internal flights in India. And Nunzi eventually came through and said, just stop for a wee while. Just calm down. If God really wanted me to go to India, you'd just give me the tickets. Save me the grief of having to deal with Indigo. But, but never mind. We got them. We see people through Old Testament times, and, and this includes the Gospels. Remember the Gospels is the Old Testament. Paving the way. Preparing the way, be it writing prophecies, be it speaking out prophecies, be it saying and doing things. Preparing the way for Jesus coming. And I think one of the most important, if not the most important, Old Testament prophet in this context probably was John the Baptist. Go so far as to say the birth, the life, the ministry of John the Baptist was essential for the birth of Jesus Christ. It was essential in the build-up to the birth, life, and ministry of his cousin. And if that hadn't happened, would we still be waiting for Jesus? Not sure. See, God put in place, as it were, laws and rules and regulations for this to take place, and John the Baptist played a pivotal role in the redemption that God had for mankind. John the Baptist had to be born. There was just, it had to happen. Part of the process. So I want to look at two people around about the birth of John the Baptist and around the birth of Jesus and see how what we think, say, and do can affect or limit God. So let's go to Luke 1. Verse 5. No, that's not one. That's not what I'm looking for, is it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Luke 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abba, Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. They were wrinklies. Get on a bit. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord 
And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah, Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, How much shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and I am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. But because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And if we read on, indeed, Zacharias did not speak again until the birth of his son, John. John, who was about to play a pivotal role leading the way for the Messiah. John, who needed to be born, needed to play that part, that role in the preparation for Jesus and his ministry. Why did Gabriel say, why did he say Zacharias had to be dumb? Because God didn't want him to speak. Because of Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Because of one of the laws that God had instigated, death, life, and the power of the tongue, the word says. Zacharias, we can see from that passage, was in doubt and unbelief. How, how, how will I see this? I, I'm old. My wife is old. Words of doubt. And, and Gabriel confirmed that in the next verse. You know, you're in doubt and unbelief. No, we can't have that. I'm thinking about it today, and I think after Gabriel had said that, I think Zacharias was just about ready. Now, let me paraphrase. Zacharias was just about ready. Oh, Gabriel, it's been a laugh. Look at me. You see my wife. In terms of age. Stop laughing. In terms of age, have you seen me? Have you seen my wife? You know, he was probably just about to say, this is not going to happen. Because that's what he was thinking. He's just about to say, no chance. Let's just not even go there. It's, it's just not a possibility. And you know what that does to the plans and purposes of God in Zacharias's life? Stops it. Done. And that could not be allowed to happen. Now, I think I, I think I preached this about two or three years ago. I can't remember if I spoke about this. Maybe I did. But this used to be a problematic passage for me. 
Because I preach God never puts negative things on us. God will never make us sick. God will never make us ill. Yeah, and God is no respecter of persons. He's not going to. He, he's never done that, and he's not going to do it. Make people ill. How many people do you see Jesus making ill? You know, you've heard me preach that. And then along comes an angel of the Lord, putting something on a guy that we pray against when we go to India. People are dumb. People are deaf. We pray against that. This seems to be God putting that on someone. And I had a problem with that. But a few years ago, I came to the realization that I don't, I don't have a problem with this now because I saw the context that it was in. The context of John was needed to be there for the Savior to be born. God will never strike you guys dumb because he doesn't need another Savior to be born. That was like a one-off. So I'm okay with that now. I used to be really uncomfortable preaching it, knowing that for the other 50 weeks of the year, I preach, oh, God doesn't put stuff on you. God doesn't put stuff on you. But this is like, I mean, is this a special case or is this a special case? I believe that that overriding law of death and life and the power of the tongue was so powerful that God could not allow Zacharias to speak out against that plan and purpose at that point in time. So that's how you can not allow Zacharias to speak out in doubt and unbelief. Don't read this and think, oh, God's going to strike me down because all the stupid stuff I say. Now, don't take this the wrong way, but even with all the stupid stuff you do say, he's not going to strike you down. Okay. So let's compare that with Mary. Luke 1, and it is, oh, see, since I've seen this, this is one of my favorite passages. Love this. Go for 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She was a bit like Zacharias. I mean, that is a shock. There's, there's no doubt about it. You're just going about your daily business or trying to sleep and the angel of the Lord shows up. Oh, we're going to do something special with you. So I can see Zacharias and Mary having the same kind of reactions. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. For thou hast found favour with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Joseph. He shall be great, Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God, I'm getting too excited, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing as I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her. He was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be unto me according to thy words, 
and the angel departed from her. Awesome. Mary gets a similar message from the Lord, like Zacharias. Something impossible is going to happen. And you're part of it. No, also very difficult to hear. That, that seemingly impossible thing. You know, just think about it. Hey, Mary, you're the one. You're special. You're the one. You're going to give birth to Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, and save his people. You okay? Yeah. But Mary had a question, because she also has this wee issue. She's slightly different, though, from Elizabeth. Slightly different. Yeah. Elizabeth knew Zacharias. Don't need to get into the details, do I? No? Good. That's okay. Kind of like for, for, the, for the one time, I'm kind of glad Josh is not sitting there. <laughs> you can... You can go into that with him later. So Elizabeth knew Zacharias, but Mary didn't know Joseph. Mary had Mary didn't know a man. Now, if you're trying to get pregnant, that's an issue. If you think you know that that is a problem. If you haven't known a man, but the angel has an answer for Mary. He tells her it's okay. Holy Ghost is going to do this. Part of God's plan. It's okay. Sorry, have, have you, you seen what happens to Elizabeth? You know, we've done this before, as in an impossible pregnancy. Not a virgin birth, but an impossible possible pregnancy. And, and Mary believes it. That's the difference, you see. Mary believes it. And the angel of the Lord doesn't shut her up. He believes it, and here comes out, I believe, the most important statement ever spoken by a human being. I mean, you might think Jesus said some wonderful things. Okay, let's, let's, let's exclude Jesus. But for a human being, I mean, I've got a book of quotes and sayings, and we all know the famous ones. This one's not in it. But I believe this is the most important thing a human being has ever said. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, and here it comes. Be it unto me according to thy words. Let what you have said happen to me. This impossible thing. And, and um, the angel departed her. Why did the angel depart at that second? Job done. She was pregnant. Job done. Conception happened. Why? Because she believed it. She believed what the Lord had said. She believed what the Lord was going to do. And she spoke it out. And it's like, boom. I kind of think, when she said, be unto me according to thy word, that was it. Now, I, I, can't, I can't prove that, because it doesn't explicitly say it in the word. But the angel's gone. He's done his job. Mary agrees that nothing is impossible with God. She takes that on board. She takes on board what she is told. She believes it and she speaks it out. This, this is what, this is some of the words that we need to speak, folks. We need to be saying, be unto me according to thy words. They need to be coming off our lips. Sounds a little bit like what Jesus said to the blind men. God is your faith, be it unto you. Mary's just making that personal turn around saying, 
be unto me. I love that. Death and life and the power of the tongue. Zacharias was about to speak out death. No more wordies. No more, no more chat until John comes along. But... <laughs> Sorry, I just said No, I'm not going. I am not going there. But, um... No, not going there. And Mary... She, she speaks out. Death and life from the power of her tongue as well. Whereas Zacharias was about to speak out death, Mary was about to speak out life. She agreed. What did she do? She came in line with God and spoke it out. And that's it. Now, this is just not a message for Christmas. This is a message for everybody. This is where Carol needs to be. It's like a dog. It's not just for Christmas. You know, this message is for every day of our lives. This is a principle we should be walking in all the time when we are in our walk with the Lord, walking into his plan and purpose for our lives. It's, what are you saying? What are you telling me? What, what is it you want us to do? Oh, that sounds a bit hard. How are we going to do it? Okay, be unto me according to thy words. You see, what we think and what we say about the Lord and his plans is vital. Our words, our words, what we, what we say out of our mouth determine whether we implement and fulfill his plans or we limit his plans. No neutrality. We either help to fulfill or we limit by what we say. Death and life are in the power of our tongue, our tongue. Your tongue. It was true for Zacharias. It was true for Mary. It's true for all of us. Zacharias was kept quiet. Now, and miraculously, against all the physical limitations, John the Baptist was born. Now, he might have been thinking about it, but we need to, we need to rightly divide the scriptures. I think we can have thoughts planted in our head by the enemy, by ourselves. And of that themselves, I don't think they're sinful. But if we speak them out and act them out, you know, then that's when it's a problem. It's speaking out death and life is in the power of the tongue. Mary spoke out in agreement with the Lord and gave birth to Jesus. Now, we don't know what would have happened if Zacharias had spoken out his doubts. I don't know, but I think it was very telling that he was kept quiet because we see he had doubt, he had unbelief, and he was shut up. He was not able to speak out that negativity, that doubt, that unbelief. And, and it points us to the questions, well, what are we doing to our lives with our words? You know, Zacharias, and probably more importantly, this was actually going to happen to his wife. It was his wife that needed to become pregnant. But it looks like his words was going to have a huge impact on her. What are our wives saying to those? What are our wives? What are, what are our wives doing to those about us? What are, what are our wives doing to all those people around about us as well, not just our wives? It's a big question. You know, have you had a plan and a purpose from God? What are we saying about this? Are we being positive? 
Or maybe for a wee while, should we just shut up and keep quiet and see how it develops and maybe not whinge and whine about what we've not got? Now, we came back from India. We didn't have 50 grand to build a new house after I had this fantastic idea of taking the roof off and it fell down. (laughs) What what are we going to do? We don't have 50,000 pounds. Well, we did. It was provided. You guys went so deep into your pockets and provided for that. But if I'd come back and whinged and mumped and moaned, and it mightn't have happened. Are we being positive or should we probably keep quiet? See, the same thing, in my mind of it, the same kind of thing happened to Zacharias. And Mary, angel of the Lord came with a, an impossible, saying there was an impossible situation going to happen. Now, what they did after that was different. Sounds the same, but it was different. Mary asked a question of God. Zacharias questioned God. There's a difference. Absolute difference. You know, if God's given you a plan and a purpose and it looks impossible, by all means, ask questions. How's this going to happen? Where am I going to get the resources? Who's going to help me with this? When do I have to do that? When do I have to do this? Don't question God. What, really? What, you, reckon I, you reckon you want me to do this? I've got nobody to help me. Who am I going to get to help me? I haven't got the money to do that. That's a legitimate question. How are you going to provide the resources, Lord? What's not legitimate is, I haven't got the money to do that. Now, it's the way we formulate our questions is really important here. And that comes back to the attitude, the mind, the, the, the heart about a thing. You're daft, Lord. I don't have the money to do that. How on earth do you expect me to do that compared to, well, where's the money coming from, Lord? I've heard Paul preach on this before and things that, uh, brother Paul does yeah where's the money coming for that how, how are you going to provide that for me no I haven't got the money and, and if he wants you to do something the resources are there go to the brook and he'll feed you but the feeding wasn't taking place where he was not here go there once you go there I'll feed you there the provision is already there so we need to go from here to there. I know I'm mixing my stories and all that now, but you all know what I'm talking about. But if God wants you to go there and do something, he'll provide, but the provision might be there. Awesome. Zacharias was questioning God. Mary asked a question, but there's a difference. Yes, by all means, if God's given you a plan and a purpose, ask him questions, but don't question him. See the difference? So you all know we're off to India next week. You know what we've done as a group. You know what we've done as a small group. We're family and we're friends. You know, guys, what we have done and what we are doing, in my humble opinion, is miraculous. In terms of numbers, we've done amazing things in Karamuru. Do seeing amazing things starting through Tikkunolam and Madra. There's great things happening. If someone had said to me 10 years ago, 
yeah, because it's not 10 years since we've been, say 10, 15 years ago, someone had said to me, or God had said to me, Vex, you're going to be instrumental in this thing in India. <laughs> I'd have probably laughed and could have just debunked it. But see, I'd never had that vision to do that until I went to India. And then once I was there and so excited about it and so pumped about it that when I came back, I couldn't see anything but positive things. I just couldn't. I was so excited. Came back, got all you guys on board from that life-changing experience there. And then what we have done since has been miraculous. But I could have, I could have knocked that vision, that plan and purpose on its head by being negative. Like, God, have you seen how many people we've got in our church? I'm, 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 get, I'm making them less and less every year. The numbers, how are we supposed to be able to pay for that? How, how on earth are we going to find the resources to do that work? But God knew what he was going to put on your hearts. God knew that the provision was going to be there. So we came back. We were all enthusiastic. We spoke out positivity. We spoke out what we're going to do, what we needed to do. And I tell you, within weeks, we had the money that we needed to really run that feeding station well. And then once the house fell down, again, enthusiasm, speaking out what we're going to do, and, and that resources were provided. We could have, I could have ruined that by doing a Zacharias. No, we've done great things there. Because our faith, our thoughts, our words, and our deeds have come in line with what God wants us to do in that place in India. And because of that, we've done powerful things. But you see, with that kind of attitude, and the same attitude as Mary, folks, we can do anything. Absolutely anything. With that attitude of, okay, yeah, there's this impossible thing. I need to ask a few questions. But okay, I believe you, Lord. And I speak that out of my life. That kind of attitude brought about the one, the only virgin birth. Now, most people would say that is impossible. And yet, without that faith and, and, and the power of God and the will of God working behind it, but a human being coming into line and speaking out that truth and out that plan and purpose, that was possible. And we see it. It's possible if we get in line with that. Everything is possible if we get in line with that. What is God telling you to do? What has he told you to do in the past? What is his plan and purpose for your life? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm winding it up. I'm going to leave you with those questions to ponder at the end of this year. But then I'm going to challenge you. So what's God telling you to do? What has he told you to do? What is his plan and purpose for your life? But then you need to think, am I a Zacharias or am I a Mary? Because if you're a Zacharias, could be just questioning what God can do, questioning that plan, questioning that purpose, and speaking out in fear and doubt and unbelief. If we're doing that, 
the plan and purpose of God Almighty ain't coming to pass. We're limiting the Holy One of Israel. But if we're doing a Mary, okay, we may be asking questions. Yeah. How are you going to give me that 50 grand, Lord? <laughs> Where's the 50 grand for that new building coming from? Well, it arrived. And amazingly, for a project like that, in budget, although we paid some extra stuff, but different stuff. Are we doing a Mary? Are we maybe asking questions, but in speaking out in agreement, believing what God has told us. See, this is the key. Believing what God has told us and then speaking out in agreement. And it's like, boom. That's when it's conceived. That's when it starts to grow. I love that. You might be saying, yeah, I'm, okay, I'm not sure how this will happen, but Lord, you explain it to me. You show me. And then once he shows you, be it unto me according to thy word. That's what we need to say. What we do, what we think, what we say will determine the success or otherwise of the plan and purpose God has for our lives. What we do, what we think, what we say, what we do can work with God or can limit him. God Almighty, yes, because we have free will. In the Psalms, we see the people limiting the Holy One of Israel. I think that's what Zacharias was about to do. He was about to limit the Holy One of Israel. So he couldn't speak. But Mary, well, with the what we would say in the physical, the absolute impossible. I mean, it is. Pregnancy without knowing a man. Impossible in the world and in the physical. But... With God, nothing shall be impossible. Okay, I believe that. Be it unto me according to thy word. Boom. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. <laughs> the most amazing, seemingly impossible thing. God Almighty. Then that made flesh. See, I'm of the opinion that that single cell and becomes two cells, becomes four cells, that's flesh. That's life. So at that point, boom, the word was made flesh. And then in nine months, was going to be among us. Awesome. How impossible is that? Well, it's not impossible because the word says, with God, nothing shall be impossible. But you know what? And I know we're not to add on to the word or take away from it. That says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. I reckon it should put on there with the agreement and the participation of faithful men, well, faithful mankind, faithful people, sorry. You get my, get my wokeisms out. Got to be with faithful people. You know what we mean. The word became flesh and was going to dwell among us. A son, at that point, the seemingly impossible, 
a son given, and then nine months later a child would be born. That's what happened at that point. The seemingly impossible, then the son is given, the child develops and is born. Awesome. The impossible made possible. Listen to this. The impossible turned into reality through what? Through words. At that point, be unto me according to thy word. The impossible was suddenly made reality. The impossible was suddenly made flesh. The impossible was made manifest into the life of Mary because of her coming into line with this amazing thing that God had planned for her. And, and that's what we can have. That is what we can have, every single one of us. God wants to do great things with every single one of us, seemingly impossible sometimes, and we need to hear it, believe it, and say, okay, be it unto me according to thy word. Boom. Now, it might take nine months to come to fruition. I've just seen this. It might take a long time for that pregnancy to develop and for you to give birth. But at that point, when you said, yeah, I'm, I'm in line, I believe what you said, it might sound impossible, I hear your answers, I believe it, be unto me according to thy word, boom. That is when your hugely successful business has just been, has just been conceived. It might not be born yet, but it's developing. That's when the, the, the plan that God has for your life and you want to do whatever, it's, that's when it's conceived. It's not conceived when you say, not a chance, mate. Oh, you expect me to do that? Have you seen me? Zacharias, you know? You expect me to do that again? You know? It's impossible. But no. If you get into line and speak it out, what he said, no, you, you can't just make things up, by the way. I, I, I think it's got to be in line with his plan and purpose. Bang, there it goes. The impossible made possible. The impossible turned into reality. The impossible, through words, starting to develop in your life. What was required for Jesus to come? Men and women to have dominion and authority, to exercise that dominion, to yield that authority and to play their part. Not by limiting the Holy One of Israel, but by allowing his plans and purposes to be made manifest in their lives through their words. Amen.